podcast today i have my friend danny he plays in a band called kidnapped and he's in some other things too we met when i booked his band here in chicago with, with critical condition and um our friendship just grew from there and that was a little while ago now um and then there's been a whole pandemic so we haven't seen each other our band my project Midwest Lust and his project Kidnapped are supposed to tour together with our friends Pat Peltier. But of course, the whole thing fell through because of the pandemic. But, anyways, with no further ado, welcome, Danny. How are you doing? Hey, Brett, what's going on? Oh, not much, not much. Just uh, was out uh, running around on the bike for a bit tonight. Um, it got finally kind of warm here in Chicago. It was 45 degrees today, so it felt like a spring day here. Yeah. Here. It was it was really nice uh, here today as well. I'm just I'm just chilling, chilling out in my room, watching uh this uh, anime, Wicked City. It's playing in the background. I drew it on. It's pretty cool. Cool, cool. So um, yeah, I guess we could just yeah, we could just talk some, do that whole thing. So um, I guess the I guess always the best choice is how did Kidnap start? How did you guys become a band? Uh, I know it's had some different lineup changes, and it's kind of you probably had some consistent yeah. people for a while now, I would imagine. But I don't know. Yeah. So, tell us about that. It um it originally started as a project between our um our drummer Dakota and our old guitarist Liam, and they got together and they wrote like the majority of our demo together. And then one, I was like friends with them. I like knew them just from shows and like various other things. And then, um, what do you call it? I saw them at a show one day and I was like, holy shit, this band's fucking amazing. Like I pretty much begged my way to be in the band. And like finally Liam came over and told me the songs and we got around to just becoming a band went and recorded the demo up in uh western massachusetts with uh will hurst he uh drums in restraining order if you know who that band is and um he does like yeah he like does a ton of recording out in the new england area and um pretty much took out took off from there started playing a bunch of shows we wrote a bunch of music we probably wrote in totality together the three of us we wrote like uh a majority of the music we have and it's been like spread across like five to seven different tapes and then um and then our local record store uh red scroll they did an lp for us which was like kind of like a collected works of like everything we had ever done together and we're just like during this whole time we're just like constantly gigging around New England, like going everywhere, just playing as a three piece. And then eventually, like, you know, there was just some uh growth problems in life and stuff and uh parted ways with Liam and then that's when we rec- recorded our twenty twenty demo, which is pretty much what 
we were touring on with and older material when we had come out to Chicago. And that was like our first real, like put together DIY tour. That was like my first, that was what felt like my first real tour ever. Like that this band has done since. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. You say that because I see you guys play a lot in like New England and New York, but I guess it doesn't really seem like touring out there because everything's so close together. Right, right. Doesn't yeah. even seem like even if you play a couple of days out there, like it's even like a tour. Anything is you're saying, like even if you guys have done a couple of days, you guys go. Well, I know when you were going to come out there, you guys were going to be going home most nights or something. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We never did any like um, extensive touring at all. We've played like you know we played like Massachusetts, we played New York, we yeah. we we just we played philly for the first time like we played in pennsylvania like twice once in philly and then once out in the woods pennsylvania like on that run we did and um that was like the first time i had ever played there it's mostly been we've never even played new like this band has never even played like new jersey we've mostly just stuck to like it's been new york massachusetts connecticut and we've never really gone out just because it's like it's pretty hard to tour oh yeah totally uh, well it takes money and then it usually takes having a vehicle to too so i know it's always challenges for all of us in the diy community yeah you know what I mean? it's like but um yeah so i'm trying to think where to take it from we we had done like we had done we did a like a three day run one time. Like we hopped in the van with one of Dakota's like old bands. Uh, it was like this kind of like metal band, Low Points, and we just kind of hopped in the van with them and went on like a string of like three shows. But it was we went all the way out to Nebraska. And <laughs> Damn. And I think th- I think that was a case of like we were trying. To like get out there but like all the dates kept falling through like i can't really remember it's pretty hazy but all the dates kept falling through yeah i've been on that and it really you know it really sucked it really sucked for me because uh we had worked hard or i had worked hard at booking that tour for all of us or we all did or whatever and then it just like the pandemic happened so there's like nothing really going on so it's a very interesting thing dealing with that and having like that go on and stuff it's uh I don't yeah know. once 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 we had like once i became like the from person and like uh we recorded like the 2020 demo that kind of like there was like a change and like suddenly like all the guys who were playing were like oh let's do a tour and i was like fuck and then that got booked at, like i somehow pulled that together like in a month and then that was like a, a real tour yeah that was crazy because i even know like the day you, you well like we hit up cameron and cameron hit me up saying it was kind of last minute and he was like you know of any places i was like yeah, I know. Because <laughs> he was like, I guess, striking out everywhere because it was all short notice. 
You know what I mean? For for viewers listening, that's Cameron from Death Run, which Death Run rules too. To and that play. show in and that show in Chicago was like my fate. Like that was one of my favorites of the whole run. Just everything from like seeing the city and like all the bands that played and like that. We had that that bar really chaotic and lit. Well, we passed it out and we started moving in there. So what's there not to be chaotic about? Like and for. Yeah, I don't even know. I hate pigeonholing stuff, but for like viewers, let's say I would say like Kidnappers plays in like the power violence, hardcore veins, punk rock power violence, hardcore veins of things. But you know, I'm sure you know all the pigeonholes suck. And but it's cool because I talk to you, Danny, and you're into a bunch of different types of shit. You know about like noise. You know about jazz, emo, screamo, like hardcore punk, power violence. And it's good. I like people that are open minded. Like, yeah, yeah variety, variety is the spice of life. Yeah, yeah. Um, you do some, you, and I mean, we'll talk about some other stuff, but you do some other bands. Why don't you talk about that, too? Um, I'm currently playing, yeah, I'm playing in a few. There's this one uh, called Ill Communication, and that's kind of more in the uh, vein of, like, uh, Guns Up and Trapped Under Ice style band like Madball style band it's real bouncy and like kind of like outburst and shit yeah yeah like kind of kind of kind of what you kind of what you think you would hear coming off the east coast anyways right <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um it's it's a style I feel like I don't see as much of like it feels I always say it felt it feels like it's like a band from like to 2012 or something like something just <laughs> like just a few years late but it's like something we all personally like love it's like a style yeah um was there was there a um you know i like to ask you a kidnapped was there like, that's just a pretty brutal name like i remember like I kind of said what I thought I could mean, but then, like, wh- how did you come up with the name, or did you guys just kind of collectively come up with, or do you think it was just kind of like a raw name? The Did-y- name, Dakota originally came up with the name, and it kind of uh, just stuck. I It kind of uh, has some meaning after the fact to me, personally, because, like, I a lot of the songs, like, I've written are about, like, growing pains. And it just feels like synonymous with the name, like. But that only took shape after the fact. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 total. But like the name is definitely it's it's pretty brutal. Like you can't search our band on the internet. Like. Yeah, because I've like yeah I've looked up stuff on like YouTube, and it usually comes up with a bunch of other stuff. You usually have to put like kidnap CT or. Yeah, or power violence or something like that. Yeah, the the, the really the really find it get down to the bottom uh, of it. Which so if kids are searching, just know you have to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's kind of um. So how does um how did everybody else come into the band, or how that all become? I always like to ask that. Did we just be in friends or stuff? 
or just playing in different bands growing up together? Yeah, we've all like we've all played in like a bunch of different bands. Like the current bass player Gabe, like he's just like been a close friend. He has that band Hilda, who we've gigged with a lot. Just like and then like everyone else, we all just live together. Like me, Dakota, and Quas. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. Like. It's just pretty much like a, a like who's around us, you know. Yeah, totally. That's how it how it works. Um, I always like to ask people, um, what's what's uh, what's what's I always like to ask people about their hometowns. What's Connecticut or what's Connecticut like for shows or for for noise, for power violence, for hardcore, for punk, all that. So. I mean, pre pre pandemic it was good. There was a lot of shows going on. There were a lot of uh, like there were a lot of places to play and stuff. Like it was it was mostly like there's a an agency here, like not an agency, just like two dudes that go um under the name like Seventh Circle and they book a lot of like hardcore shows. Like but they vary. They what they book varies. And they they usually are bringing like um, a lot of bigger hardcore bands. Same with like uh, same with like this other collective like CT Hate. They bring they were bringing in a lot of like bigger named hardcore bands. And then it's been like and then various people like book like indie shows and punk shows like pre-pand pre-pandemic shit was really popping off in a bunch of different places yeah i i yeah i remember uh yeah it was even crazy because like i remember i went and voted for it, but you guys also you guys also got a video on hate five six that was pretty cool how did that even come about and you said you said through the word of mouth you kind of have a story about that little church space that was filmed that right Oh yeah, that was actually because oh, we were talking about it earlier. Like, yeah, that was that was so the run we did where we like you booked the show for us and stuff and like all those other dates. That was, I think, two days after we came home or like a week or something. I think it was two days though, like straight up. <laughs> and, and it was with um, it was with this band. Show me the body. And it was, uh, and if you know, show me the body, like it's like yeah, I know, show me the body. I'm sure I was like one of the big reasons Take Five Six was there filming, anyways, right? Yeah, someone actually, I think someone just like the the dude who put the show, Chris. The the dude like. And probably hit yeah, up somebody about from eight five six and like everything's close on the east coast. So I'm sure he's like, oh, let's come, let's come that way. Yeah, he he came down and I got word he was coming down and I was like, oh, that's like real fucking crazy. At least to me, because <laughs> that's like to have a video on there is just sick, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people watch their videos and just pay attention to it in the underground punk hardcore community. So it's kind of, I mean, it's good expo, it's good exposure. You know what I mean? And I think it's cool because Sonny does like a diverse range of videos of all kinds of different styles of artists. 
yeah, True. I'm always constantly, I'm uh, like many others, I'm just constantly watching them. But so that show got booked, and it was uh, the fight from Long Island also played, and then uh, this band from Montreal called Gasm played, and then also another local band from Connecticut, this band Intercourse played, and they're like a noisier, like kind of they're like a weirdo, like kind of like heavy. Yeah, I, I know who they are because I, they're friends with this band called Aneurysm I'm friends with. So I know who Intercourse is, yeah, but for those that don't know who Intercourse is, yeah, kind of, I would say like noise rocky hardcore, you know what I mean? Like it has like an element of noise rock. Yo, definitely. I like, 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 they're not as like brutal as like something like rectal hygienics or something. But no, like no. they're they they're kind of like in the same sounding vein. It's almost like it's kind of like Jesus lizardy too a little bit. Like especially yeah, on the like I, I hear some Jesus lizard in there. There rectal rectal hygienics gets a lot more noise rocky as they go. But their the early rectal hygienics just reminds me of I hate God in a lot of yeah, ways. Real heavy. Yeah, real heavy and just ignorant, real heavy and ignorant. You know what I mean? Means so we played that show, that show, and it was at this place called The Church, and it was like, it was this, it was like this kid's parents, like, cheese factory thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was like a factory where they made cheese, and it was just like the <laughs> thickest place to play. And like I had heard through the grapevine, like that it got shut down uh, because I think someone's parents showed up at the show or something, and was like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> Oh, like the kids, like the kids' parents who who ran the place. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure. Like, 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 what what do you do? Shows behind their back when they're like out of town or something. Something like that. I don't really know exactly, (laughs) but that's just what like I heard, and it was just like I was really sad that it was gone because like I had played there like a handful. Dude, it was so it was it, it was monumental place. Yeah, you have like it looks like you had like this open floor and it looked like a cool little spot for shows. Yeah. It, it was it was pure chaos. <laughs> we had no merch because like we had just gotten back and we were all just like so shitted and it's just so appropriate that like K five six comes and films a video and we all couldn't be more shitted. <laughs> like playing us like playing a set. Yeah, well, you guys sounded, you guys still sounded good, but I'm sure touring, I'm sure touring, you know, touring is almost like getting to practice because you get to play every night. <laughs> yeah, I showed over Christmas, like, uh, one of my uncles, like, pulled up the video to, like, watch it and was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> what, the 856 video? Yeah, yeah, so, like, that was real funny and 
he was like, damn, people are feeling it. And I was like, oh, shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I just, um, you know, it's kind of funny because I did that, uh, you know, I was talking to, uh, I was watching my friend Izzy, Izzy from Riot Stairs and Discourse and everything, Western Paradise, Kevin False Light, uh, service. Yesterday, it's funny, like, one of his uncles got up there and talked, like, he's like, I have a Riot Stairs shirt. I'm a big fan. I may just be a different age group than the rest of you. There's some, I thought it was so funny. That's really nice. It's funny whenever you have family members that are normal people that are like, oh, I like what you do, and you don't, you don't really know how to take it because it's like you shouldn't. Yeah, my mom's my mom's seen me play in like a couple of bands, but she's never seen me play in like a band that's like garnered like mosh. You know what I mean? <laughs> like she's never come out like she's never come to a kidnap show. And like I've asked her and stuff, it's just like she she just chills and does other shit. You know, like she doesn't. Oh yeah, my mom, my mom can't. My mom can't hang with it, man. Like, uh, she—I don't think she'd ever come see me play because, like, she was a she was an art high school teacher, and it'd be funny. I guess she would have like students that went and saw my old hardcore bands or something, so she would hear stories about me strangling myself with a microphone cord around my neck, or just like making myself bleed, or making somebody else bleed, and just getting real rowdy. At a show, and she's like, I can't believe you do that. It sounds so self destructive. And she just, you know, she's all hippy dippy, so she doesn't want anything to do with it. Do with it, which I can't really, I can't really say I blame her, you know what I mean? That's, that's sick. My, like, <laughs> my mom, my mom can hang, but, like, she just would probably rather do all their shit, you know? Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think my mom's, uh, one of the, hey, my mom would much rather just be sitting around like chilling after a hard day of work listening to Fleetwood Mac or something, not listening to my negative fucking bullshit I put out there into the world. You know? <laughs> Here. That's cool. That that's cool that your mom's like a, a art teacher though, and that there would be yeah. like students. <laughs> yeah, that there would be like students that could tell tell her tell her about like her son losing his fucking mind. Yeah, well, she'd have like a picture of me on her desk at work, so like one of her students would like realize it was me, and just be like, "Yeah, your son's fucking crazy." And, and like, as you know, I mean, I'm sure that, you know how it is. There's some of these people who I get dragged to a, a hardcore show with some friends and they never have seen anything like it before. Before, you know, you know, when it's either something somebody, I find it's something either somebody attracts to or they don't, there's usually no in between. Yeah, and then sometimes, sometimes people come and they're like, oh, this is sick, and then they keep coming and it's just... Yeah, it's, it's, I think that's, yeah, usually the people, I mean, that's how it was when I was young. I kept coming because I like the community. I like the messages, you know, it's different for, it's different for everybody, I get. 
I this, movie, so. this, this, this movie I'm watching is real crazy. Yeah, um, I always get the, like, I always get in the movies in this podcast. Um, you know, I, I, what, what movie is it? What are you watching? It's called like Wicked City. It's I think it's like an anime from the '90s. So far, all like all I've gathered because I'm just like you know watching it in the background a little bit, just like watching what's going on. And all that I've been seeing is like these these succubus are like trying to they're like trying to like. Uh, murder people with sex. It's That's like, crazy. <laughs> it's it's and it's like like all done pretty well. Like it's like drawn and shit. You know how it is. Like it's just fucking crazy. Oh yeah. So I always like to, you know, I always I always like to ask this question just as, out of friends and everybody I talk to on this podcast. What was the thing that opened Pandora's box to you, the music, Danny, or got you into music in the first place? And got how did you and how then how did you stumble across hardcore punk or whatever underground music, whatever you want to call it? It's a really good question. Probably, I'd have to say like, dude, I don't even know like specifically. I guess if I had to pinpoint it, like. Cause you can play bass too. Did you ever have like a family member that got you playing an instrument or? Well, I played. I like I've been playing guitar for like 15 years. Like I, I picked up my first guitar when I was like 10, so it's like 16 years now in playing guitar. Oh, and I'm not. Like, I'm not like sick, but I can play guitar. You know what I mean? Not like some shreddy guy. But, like, I can, like, write songs and fucking all that bullshit. So, like, and as far as, like, what got me into that is just, like, I really can't pinpoint specifically. I just, I guess I just wanted to. And then I took, like, all these lessons, and I had, like, this sick teacher, and he called me mad Rage Against the Machine songs. (laughs) And... (laughs) Nothing wrong and with my, that. I, uh, I still listen. To, I still I still own Rage Against the Machine self-titled, a picture disc of it on vinyl. The self-titled record is one of the best. Like, I guess one of the oh, most inventive. Yeah. I think it's like one of the most inventive hardcore records probably ever. If you could even call it a hardcore record because they're like mainstream, but they had elements of hardcore and they had elements of hip-hop and them extremely political too. But I think like... I think a lot of that stuff like them, well, I think there's a lot of stuff ahead of its time before them, like whether it had been like Anthrax collabing with Public Enemy or Biohazard or Downset, but like Raging the Machine got super big doing it somehow. How and I mean, yeah. it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny you can ask like Raging the Machine fans like, do they know Zach's old band? They're like, he doesn't have an old band. Or they'll say something like that. And they're like, yeah, he does. He has a band called Inside Out. This is a hardcore punk band because like, I don't think a lot of people know that. And I actually, the way I found out about that band was like super funny. Like I w- happened to, I was at a show in Western Mass and there was a distro. And like there was, uh, this person was like, you know, just like, I had picked up the Inside Out CD, the No Spiritual Surrender, 
like I picked it up and they were like, yo, do you know what that is? And I was like, nah, what is it? And they were like, oh, that's um, Zach from Rage Against the Machine. That's like a hardcore bandy friend. And I was like, no shit, really? And like, it was this, like, the show itself that night was like real crazy. Like there was a crazy fight. And like, it was just real nuts. <laughs> And um, I had taken my mom's car, like, up to Western Mass. She low-key, like, let me take it. I had, like, no license. Like, <laughs> shout out to mom. You're right. Like, she, and for some reason, on, like, a Wednesday night, she was like, yeah, you can, like, take it up to a local show in Western Massachusetts. Like, <laughs> just to see, like, a bunch of, like, is, a bunch is, of friends. How does that work? You said it was Western Mass? Okay. Yeah, I, no, I think I went to a show in, like, Northampton. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, yeah I, that's like that night, I, that night I discovered Inside Out, I, like, how old was I? I was maybe, like, fuck, like, 18 or 19. <laughs> yeah, that Northampton... That was Hampton and Amherst area and all that Western Mass area rules. It's kind of like, I, I, I have a, you know, it's kind of weird. I've made a lot of Mass friends, friends with, uh, however you say it, Diva Carre from there now, friends with Nir from Boston, friends with Steve from Bo- Boston, a bunch of people. But then it seems like, it seems, and it's cool because it seems like Boston even has some experimental stuff, but it seems like Boston's more, Boston's more of a hardcore town. It seems like Western Mass is, like has hardcore elements in it, but it's more of a freak show over there. I mean, that's where you get all your like weird artsy people is Western. Yeah, I think it's just like it's like a major like it's a state that has like a major coastal city in it. So like it's just bound to spew out like great things as a result like even like even somewhere like connecticut like connecticut hardcore is pretty much like a staple in hardcore as a whole you know oh yeah i mean like but the same can be said about like boston or new york and like just stuff like that or like la and well yeah because even like it was weird because even like even a lot of the old school, like, even a lot of the old school New York bands, they were kind of, uh, they were kind of from Connecticut, but they just claimed New York, right? Because, like, wasn't, like, wasn't stuff like Youth of the Day from Connecticut and other stuff that... Yeah, and then there's, like, the, I, I don't know if they, like, relocated or, like, if it just became a matter of, like, there were other people like moved there like i don't i don't know but there's definitely like there's just like the connection like there's the bridges between everything my friend told me my friend eric who he said it was wild because he used to be like you know this is a funny story for his pod podcast he was a crust punk kid just hanging out of the street somewhere in connecticut he was like i think from the danbury area and this band dismay just pulled over with a band did you ever hear that band dismay oh my god i play i like i play with <laughs> other band called like uh wreckage and it's it's like uh it's like um 
how do I describe it? It's like youth of today meets like Fury meets like Boston Strangler. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. And, but... and on the other guitar, but the other guitarist in the band, like he loves dismay, and like so many people in Connecticut, like love dismay, like dismay. Yeah, like, well, they, well, they were just like. Yeah, he was just like said he was hanging out being a punk kid panhandling out on the street and those dudes from Dismay picked him up and were like coming to a hardcore show and he was like, What? And he didn't even know what it was and they brought him to I guess it was Dismay, Hate Breed, some other shit at this um at this place in Connecticut and he said these bros showed up and picked a fight and got beat up so they came back with like their whole fraternity and it just turned into a riot at this show. At this place, and he said, he said this place got fucked up. He said there was like an autographed guitar by Elvis on the wall that somebody ripped off the wall and smashed over somebody's head. He said these dudes named the Grippo Brothers picked up a plan and smashed it over some dude's head. So he just said it was, he said it's wild. He said the whole like, he said he thinks that he thinks he says the Waterbury Riot Squad showed up, and he and he said that was his first exposure to hardcore. I can imagine, I can imagine, like, before my time that there were, like, there was a whole bunch of crazy fucking shit going on at shows, you know, uh, around here. Well, yeah, that, I mean, I don't, yeah, but it's kind of crazy because, um, you know, like we were talking about the states aren't real big out there, but it's like you got, like, for people who don't understand, even Western Connecticut's closer to New York than Eastern Connecticut's, I would say, probably closer to places like Massachusetts and stuff like that, right? Yeah, definitely. Right in Rhode Island and other places like that, I would imagine. I was I was watching, uh, the other day, I was watching a mad uh, Firefight Bowl videos. Oh, I went to some shows there. I got to see, um, I got to see MK Ultra and Charles Bronson there. I want to say, way before I should have. I care of some older friends. That's an early like, There's like tons of videos online of like Firefly bullshit. Just like so many different kinds of bands. I forget the specific one I was watching. I think one of the funniest. I think one of the funniest things happened ever at Fireside Bowl. Um, did you ever know the Did you ever know the old um, hardcore punk band uh, by the grace of God? No, but I think I think you've sent me them before. You've been like, "Yo, check this out." Well, I think by the grace of God. Yeah, I think by the grace of God is playing Fireside Bowl here in Chicago with somebody like I think it's Four Punch and by the grace of God. And the singer of By the Grace of God says some comment on stage like he was like, I didn't realize hardcore was about wearing basketball jerseys and being a jock, kind of dishing four punch. And I guess the singer of four punch, you know, jumped up on stage and jacked the singer of By the Grace of God out in the face. And so, like, yeah, no matter what, Fireside Bowl is kind of legendary because. You know, it was a bowling alley, a venue, and now a bowling alley again that a case that only does shows. So, yeah. 
four punches. Kind of, it, was legendary, it was legendary for a lot of those 90s years in Chicago. Like, I mean, some, band, some bands played that place. You'll never see in a setting like that again. Like, whether it be like, whether it be AFI, whether it be Coalesce, whether it be, you know, you I can think name I think it was it was it was like an AFI video I was watching, which was real nuts. They were yeah. playing real tight. Yeah, I mean, it's all. I got to see AFI in a lot of DIY settings. I saw them with Fury sixty six one time. I saw them like they did a bunch of tours, and at some point they got bigger. But I guess that's what happens when you tour so much. So much. I know sure. Chicago has like, like the scene like where it's like Alkaline Trio and like Lawrence Arms and shit like that too. <laughs> Fallout oh, Boy, isn't Fallout Boy from there? Yeah, because also Fallout Boy is Andy, who's in uh, Race Trader and Sect. Also, also is the same drummer. Like, and. Are you still there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the same drummer. And uh, it's kind of funny you say that because Robbie the other day when I'm talking to him from Sea of Shit, he was saying to me, he was like, before I knew about hardcore, I was a Chicago suburban pop punk kid because he's like, you know, that's what Chicago is known for. It's pop punk. And stuff, as, as big as hardcore is here, he's like, it has a huge pop punk. And if you're from the suburbs and you usually get into punk, pop punk's what you get into first. You know what I mean? Before you're cool enough to know about hardcore or whatever. But then again, Robbie's up in the same age group as me, 37. And he was finding out about this stuff when he was a teenager. So us old heads, it was different, I would say, because we didn't have all the internet to find out about stuff. We just kind of had to find out about stuff through word of mouth or discovering it on our own. You know what I mean? But I mean, it's good to have the internet now because now it's easier. I feel like now it's easier to book shows or stay connected with people. Staying connected with people in those times were very hard. You used to have, even book a show, you used to have somebody's um, landline phone number you would call and you easily left a message on their answering machine because they usually wouldn't even be, wouldn't even be around. You know what I mean? I was... I was talking to a, a friend today and I was like, yo, could you imagine like where there was a time where all you had was the show flyer? Like you couldn't, like now you can like listen to every band and you can like know what they sound like inside and out and like you can access it super easily. And I was thinking to myself like, yo, could you imagine like what it was like where all you had was like a flyer and just an address and you show up and like you just oh it, 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 it was it was crazy and I'll tell you what um it was fun it was you know it was crazy but it was kind of fun touring that because there was there's like times you'd get lost where you'd miss the exit from some small country highway you're on and you just ended up out in the middle of nowhere, like in the wrong direction for an hour and a half, and then you'd realize what was up and go the right direction. Those days were, those days were kind of fun, you know what I mean? I mean, now you have yeah. GPS and GPS for everything. It's like, but I mean, like it's cooler because, like you said, it's easier to find out about bands or actually listen to bands and hear how they sound. It used to be kind of like, 
you know, when you discovered hard, I remember when I was discovering hardcore punk bands, like I've already talked about on this podcast in the year enough how I've discovered hardcore. And what my thing was, it was through Quickstand ordering a CD through Thrasher magazine and meeting a dude that asked me if I knew who Girl Biscuits and Youth of the Day was, and I had no clue. And he he filled me in and started teaching me the ropes and invited me to my first punk show. But anyways, I just think it's funny because um, I don't know where I was going with that, but I was I kind of lost my train of thought there. But I was going to say, it all goes back to like, you know, you find out about stuff at one point. You you had stuff like that. But what I was saying is I think you used to go to the record stores and you used to either just find some by a label you liked or either you would find something by just artwork and just taking a chance on it. You know what I mean? And either sometimes it, sometimes it turned out good for you and sometimes it turned out where you, where you wasted your money. Yeah, how I discovered how I discovered a lot of stuff like even even what, like I would just go off of like blog spots and like uh, a lot of the time like in CDs and stuff there'd be like recommendations or like people shouting bands out and like that's how I found out a lot, about a lot of stuff. It wasn't until like when I was in eighth grade that I had like. A, a, like a friend in a math class I had like put me on to like locally what was happening just through like a comp they gave me and like taking me to shows and then I had like and then in my first band all like their older brothers were like just dudes who were in bands and had like good music taste so they just naturally had like plugged in good like hardcore music taste it just led down the hole you know yeah but i was always i was always thankful for those times of finding out about stuff that way because it was kind of like you know i had found out about a lot of really good records that way like i had found out about like i had found out about like knapsack that way if you know who they are Oh, I love them, dude. They're great. Yeah, I bought, like, one of their CDs randomly in a store one time before I even knew what it was. I think that's the same way I found out about Small Brown Bike before. You know, actually, I saw Small Brown Bike at Michigan Fest, so I can't say that's the way I discovered Small Brown Bike. But there's definitely some stuff that was the way I discovered. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the way I discovered Earth Crisis was just randomly picking up a Firestorm CD at the local record store, and I had no clue what it was. But I was getting into hardcore, and I was just like, and I ended up liking it. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit it to this podcast. Yeah, everybody, I love Earth Crisis, especially really Earth Crisis. I don't know. I don't know. I like, I like, I like my elements of... Uh, like my elements of some victory hardcore, like a lot of my friends make fun of victory hardcore, so so it's kind of like shameful to admit it. But but then again, I don't really give a fuck what anybody will like. I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I like I like Earth Crisis, I like All Out War, I like Buried Alive, and I like Snapcase, and I like By the Grace of God. And if you got a problem with that, let's call off. <laughs> you know, because there was like a point where. There's a point in history in hardcore where a lot of people were kind of clowning victory records. You know, yeah, dude. I mean, street by street, blah, blah, blah. 
<laughs> well, Victory got clowned heavily here in Chicago. Because Victory was like the label. It was becoming a big label out of here. But they would not do anything to help out local Chicago artists. Like, and like Tony's argument was, oh, he showed me a Chicago band that is worth helping. They're worth putting a release out. But the argument would be, the argument would be like with Victory Records, would be like that would be, well, what about Extinction? What about Race Traders? What about all these bands that were coming out of here that were crucial, like it would have fit in on the label well, but, you know, instead, but instead he was putting out like, you know, whatever was selling, I'm sure, whatever he was, and that's fine, I guess, but like, people in Chicago clowned his label um, heavily, and then, um, did you ever hear that old band that used to be from Philadelphia called Kill the Man Who Questions? No, I never did. They're, they're like a guy and girl dual vocal hardcore band. You should check them out, but they have this song called Sugar Industry, and then they even have a line that says, fuck Victory Records and your $15 hardcore T-shirt, all toilet paper for me and my crew. And, I mean, it's kind of funny because if you really think about it, like a lot of people back in the day used to clown victory because, yeah, nobody back in the day had to sell T-shirts, $15 long sleeve because T-shirts were cheaper to get made. Then that was called ripping kids off. Victory was the king of ripping kids off. One way or another, it was kind of funny to think about it. Yeah, I, I like. It's funny. I'm, never sitting down, I'm, sit, I'm sitting down here in my lobby talking to you and my and my my buddy Michael, who I met here, who's a concierge. He's over here shaking his head, yes, because he knows about noise and hardcore and punk rock and stuff. So we he, we started talking about eight tracks and more death pile and like refused and a bunch of hardcore beans. And when I started talking about Victory Records, he started shaking his head, yes. I never um, ex- experienced like like an OG victory <laughs> era. Like I never like, or well, at yeah, least was I never like aware of it. Like I didn't like the, when I had like figured out and known what Victory Records was. It was like through like more of like the Warp Tour side of things. I'd say. Well, yeah, well, yeah I change. Like I would say there's. I would say. There's two bands that changed the face of that label completely, and that'd be Thursday first, then Taking Back Sunday second. Then after that, Tony just started putting out shit, shit that was just kind of made money, you know. If it didn't, if he didn't, and yeah, like you said, it works here. Like, yeah, man, there's like I'm I've sure never he, even, I've never I've never even been to a single warp tour. <laughs> Well, consider yourself lucky. I actually went. I actually went one year. This is when I'm young. I I, I went. Yo, one year some of them I, were probably. Yo, some of them were probably amazing. When I was young, I went to one when I was getting into hardcore because in the two reasons that I went is that, the, that year with tour had Stick of It All play and, and Snapcase. So I was like. Cool. I'll go see Snapcase and Sick of It All because I was just getting into hardcore and I was thirsty to see it in the format I could see it in. You know what I mean? Mm. 
I mean, I, I, was, kind of, yeah. I was like, I was like, I don't care where it's at. I want to see Snapcase. I want to see Sick of It All. Snapcase is great, dude. It's a, they have yeah, some great songs, Sick great records. Sick of It All even has as good uh, good areas of it too. Oh, dude, they rock. Yeah, it's like, come on, and it's um, yeah, and I. Like, I think it's cool. Like, yeah, I, don't know, I was about to say, even in Connecticut, you were telling me one time, like, one of your one of your guys' neighbors is somebody from the Noise Project sibling, and I thought it was cool because, like, I think it's getting gapped more where there's more people in the power violence and hardcore world enjoying noise or paying attention to it because of bands like Full of Hell. But still, a lot of those people don't always know about the little key projects. And it was kind of like you you and me, when we first started talking, you already knew about some noise shit, which I thought was cool as fuck. Which I thought was cool as fuck. Cause oh, yeah. I been to, there's been tons of noise shows in Connecticut. Yeah. There's, I been mean, great, there's been great ones. There's been beat ones. There's been, there was, it was, it was going for a moment. Like it was, a, it was awesome. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's also, I'm sure that, I'm sure it's just like anything else. There's there nights for things. Some nights you're going to have a good show. Some nights you're going to have a bad show. This good. I think this goes for anybody who's out there touring. Just know this. Like, there could be a thousand things going on in a different city in a month, man. So sometimes you hit a town up and it just isn't a good night for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I usually like the communities are usually like tight knit, and everyone like is wants to support each other. So like I can always get behind that, and then yeah, I can get behind anything like that. Do you know what's weird is, I mean, I had a feeling like when Midwest lost and you guys were supposed to do that tour, I have a feeling we were going to have a pretty decent New York City shows, and like just because of who was doing them and stuff like that. But, like, at the same time, like, New York City is kind of scary to go to because I didn't understand why my first time going there, there was a good show, luckily, when my old, my old one of my old band members, he had been in a band that had been in New York City, and he said it was scary. He said only four people showed up to the show, and they spent all this money on tolls getting in and out, and it was just expensive there. They're like, and I was like, yeah, sounds like the trip. That sounds like a trip from hell. And then, man, because he said they ended up having to panhandle in New York City to even get out of there because they ran out of their money in New York and then had the parents they could call home and be like, help us out with some money. Their parents are the type of people, like, you get yourself in this situation, you get yourself out of it. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've only played, I, and even New York City, like, I've only played so many times. It's just, like, it's just, you know, wherever you get asked, you you go and you try to make a good impression. And yeah, I was excited. Good time. I was excited, to, I was excited because we had, I was excited because we had, like, two shows booked there, like, a daytime man show and a nighttime show, so there was particular. And, you know, just to try to have one be an all-ages show. And then it was kind of like, 
you know, it was looking like it could have been cool because I was even that place, uh, that place much more than Brooklyn sounded like it was a cool spot and stuff. So I don't know. It's um, it's going to be kind of like one of those things we're even going to have to see. Because I hope to rebook that too with you guys sometime, but early some dates. But it's kind of like everybody even has to see when this ends and if we're going to even have any venues left when this shit gets done. Done. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to um, just focus on whatever is going on now, you know, whether it be recording music or just, you know, taking care of other aspects of life, you know. The love yeah. of everything will always be there. It's just, like, a matter of, like, you know, just getting okay. back to a point where everyone's comfortable and healthy enough to have shit, have shit happen and make shit happen. Yeah, and I, I had a question for you on this, um, on this um, old cast, because you said, for viewers that don't know, and it isn't that big of a deal, but um, you do have yourself a lady, and she plays in that great hardcore band, Jill. Um, how'd you two meet anyway? Because you said you never played New Jersey, and they're from New Jersey. So how did that, how'd that friendship become, or how'd you guys cross paths? Oh, well, we just somewhere in the Northeast and started off with friendship, I take it? Yeah, we've played, we've, we've played together in, like, Massachusetts, and we played in Connecticut together, and I've just seen them a bunch on other shows, and it's just been, like, you know, New England, like, insular scene and just knowing each other. Yeah, I'm sure it started off with punk rock, and then I'm sure one of you two, I don't know if it was you, Danny, but I'm sure one of you thought each other was cute, and you probably like that. You probably like that. It's still cute. I'm going to, we're already friends, so I'm going to talk to her or something like that. Who knows, right? Or did things just kind of gradually happen? I mean, I was completely attracted to Margaret. I'm not going to lie. I, I pursued it totally. Yeah, we just, there was definitely, um, just because of playing shows together for, like, and knowing each other for years, like, we just had some good friendship chemistry already. Yeah, definitely. And stuff, yeah, that's good, that's perfect. But not to talk about all these staff stuff, but I just always like to hear people's little stories of that nature, of how they how they meet, meet especially when you actually meet somebody in the punk rock world or whatever. <laughs> Whatever, how the paths cross. cross. Yeah, you want um, you, you you want the you want those wholesome dishes. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend uh, my girlfriend got exposed to all this stuff through me. She wasn't really involved in it before me, but I didn't really, you know, I had dated within punk rock community before, and it's like, yeah, you gotta date someone that has similarities to you, but. I hate to say this, but a lot of times people are so fucked up and like punk rock that if you get two people together, sometimes relationships can turn very toxic quick and not even toxic in the abusive way, but just like even toxic, toxic as it can happen in verbal or can just happen in arguments. And sometimes it's just like you have too many, two people who come together and have a lot of problems. It can just be problematic. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not saying that happened with me, but it's, it's happened with other friends. For yeah, sure. At that, at, that, at that point, I think it's just like you know personal agency. I don't think, I don't think punk yeah. rock, 
really has to do with it, you know? Like, it's definitely like... So I kind of like it when the girl wasn't involved, and then she totally gets it, too, because she gets it as therapeutic for me, and she actually enjoys it. Like, just a lot of people, if you talk to normal people, they don't they don't understand what this is. They just never have been exposed to it. That's just a safe way to say it. It is truly, it is underground activity, just like the riot stays. The song set, the song title is Underground Activity. I mean, to the norms were either super cool or uh, random and lame, you know? Like, <laughs> no, no, things aren't black and white like that, but you, you know what I'm saying. Like, No, it's, it's used, they're usually like, you know, I you usually you tell somebody, I usually just tell people, I usually just tell people because you tell them you play in like punk hardcore or noise or anything. They don't, well, Robbie and we were talking about, you tell them you play punk hardcore, they're going to first ask you like, what, Green Day or Good Charlotte? There's some you tell them you play in noise, they're going to just look at you like you're a fucking weirdo. They, most people don't, they're like, what, you make noise? It is, <laughs> no, it I, is. It is. It it always just depends on who's asking. Like it can be kind of like it can always be off. Get asked asked about like, oh, what's your band sound like, or what is, what do you guys play? Like, what is this? Like, what's the name of the band? What's the name of your album? Like, where can I find your music? And you're and you're just like, you're like you're like, damn, why am I feeling embarrassed right now? Well, you know, it's like, but you get shocked, like, one time I'm sitting in this bar in Kansas City, like, and just, like, having a cigarette, it's back when you could drink, you're smoking bars, having a having a drink, it's, like, downtown somewhere, I start talking to this guy just in a business suit, or somehow randomly to sit at the bar, um, I, I'd gotten off work, I think I was just, like, going to have a drink that cooled down my nerves after work or some bullshit, I tell him, yeah, I'm in like a punk hardcore band, and then I was like, but you wouldn't get it. And he was like, no, no. He was like, like what? Like stuff like Infest and Black Flag and shit. This guy in a suit says this to me, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. So sometimes you get shocked, like you don't expect someone to know what you're talking about. And he was like, yeah, I came from that. See, it's just like I had to get my life together at one point. Point. The guy was like, I'm originally from Philadelphia and stuff. And I was like, oh, or, or that makes get, sense. Or you, get, or you get like the freak, like, uh, oh, you like Disturbed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of people think you're, yeah, yeah. I, I, you get I, just tell, I just tell people I'm in, I just tell people I'm in a rock and roll band. It just makes it easier. For people, or I'm in an electronic industrial project. Yeah, like you, know, you, straight up, you straight up get the dude who's like, he's like, oh shit, you ever hear a five finger death punch? And you're like, oh shit. <laughs> you're like, you're like, you're about to get a five finger death punch for even yeah. asking me that. I'm just always like, oh shit, dude, I love metal or whatever, you know, some some like throwaway. <laughs> I, mean, I, thought, uh, I thought like you know there's this whole scene that was around I, I hope you never got into it, but I don't know if you ever liked any of it but there's this whole scene I thought it was a complete waste of time it was around for a while called Deathcore 
Oh, dude, nah, Deathcore's great. Don't you can't hate on the Deathcore. <laughs> I can totally hate on the Deathcore. Yo, yo, that's a jumping off point for a lot of people too. Sometimes. Yeah, I know why. Because there's a lot of, I, I, there's a lot of young kids. There's a lot of young kids who, you know, there's a lot of young kids who like. Um, what you would call deathcore and like heavier metal sounding stuff to discover hardcore come through that stuff. But it's kind of uh, funny, like you said, like what you said, that's a jumping off point for a lot of kids. Cause I, but I was always like, I always just thought it was bad, you know what I mean? Like somebody would be into some, like, but it's just different for everybody else. Like the people would be like, Black yeah, I think there, 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 there are times, like, where it can be goofy, but, like, you can say that about anything, you know? Yeah, well, I think it was just hard for me to like that stuff. Also, coming from a hardcore punk background, because if you already know about hardcore punk and you find out about that stuff later, you fucking hate it. You're like... Yeah, like, you can't, like, like, you can't... Like, like me, I hated it. I was like, this is for... I was like, this is for double bass metal kids that don't know any better, that are from the suburbs. But I guess, like you said, that is a starting off point for other people to get into something that's cool. Down yeah, the like line. you can't, you can't jump from like, like you can't be listening to, uh, well, I don't know, you can't say what anyone would like, but you can't like be going from like, you can't like listen to like all out war and like yeah you're gonna usually be listening to bad brains all out war crossed out and fast man is the bastard gorilla biscuits like and then you, you know, and then you like and then and then you like see a band like i don't know like i don't know like I, there's this one deathcore band i love called suicide silence yeah, there you go. Like I had, I had, I knew people in Daytona Beach that were friends with that band, and there was like, well, even even from like Mass, you guys have, or there's from Massachusetts, isn't that where um, Acacia Strains from? Yeah, I think so. They probably got, I think they got some dudes in Connecticut too. Or at yeah, least yeah. There you go. It's um, it's a jumping that, off that, point, but. I mean, that's just I mean, like, that's, that, that's just like, I mean, it's prevalent to some extent. Like, it just, that had its time in my, like, rotation of things, you know? Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad I knew better already when that shit came around, so it never really had its time in my rotation. And, like, and it never, like, it never resonated with me, though, in the way that, like, certain hardcore bands and things, like, resonated with me, though, you know? You know, I was, you know, when Deathcore was coming around, though, I was listening to some metal shit, but I was listening to, like, I was listening to stuff like, you know, Darkest Hour and At The Gates and stuff like that. that I don't even know if you can consider Darkest Hour truly to be a metal band or not, because they have, like, a crossover breed of hardcore, but I always like to think those guys like metal more than they like hardcore, which are like... Those dudes were like, who are the band? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know how else to explain it. 
they knew they were playing metal. They knew they were playing hard. So they were like, we're playing metal. I think it's I think it's great to like like appreciate everything on to some degree, you know. Yeah, I, I do too. Just like deathcore was the one thing I could just never appreciate. It was the one thing I cause I think I already knew about death metal. I like death metal, which did my double bass for me. I had all my thrash metal shit. I had all my hardcore punk shit. I had all my power violence grind and sludge and doom stuff so i think it was just like but i understand how like that is some kids gateway very much so into a different universe so i do get that um yeah yeah does the does it have the same power that certain hardcore records do oh that's i mean it's just that's all a matter of your taste you know Yeah, I think like I think I was definitely I think I was definitely attracted to I mean I got a lot more open minded as I got older. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was at one point like you know, I like three corded hardcore, like fast hardcore in your face hardcore, but usually it wasn't that. I didn't like it. Man, I was very opinionated. I was a little fuck. Man, well, well, I was just pissed because there was a lot of like, I don't know. I was, I was young and dumb, but I, at the same time, like, I had learned from some older heads that would get pissed off at when a certain kids would call something like it was totally metal, like hardcore, and it pissed off some old head, and he'd be like, "That is a hardcore," and I learned from that. I learned from that old heads. So I'd be like. Yeah, that's metal you're listening to. That has nothing to do with Bad Brains or Crow Mags. Well, you know, Crow Mags is a weird band because they almost they had a lot of metal influence, and so even think of it all, a lot of New York hardcore gets a lot of metal influence into it at some point. Point like whether it be Leeway, Crow Mags, sick of it all. Any, well, I don't know if Leeway was from New York. Where was Leeway from? Leeway. Yeah, were they Connecticut or New York band, weren't they? Nah, they're like a they're a New York band as fuck. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, a lot of that area had a lot of was like, in my opinion, that area was producing some of the first metallic hardcore. New York was whether it be Leeway, whether it be Crookmags, whether it be Sick of It All. Those bands were definitely playing hardcore punk with just a lot more of a metal edge on it yeah and stuff and it's pretty crazy to think about um what else do i like to but we could talk about this stuff oh i like to ask you were, were there were there were there um i know you i hate being pigeonholed but did kidnap when you guys start did you guys have any influences was there i mean i'm sure there was a shit ton but was there anything you could think of directly in mind you guys were listening to uh yeah there was a lot infest infest was always prevalent uh there was there's this band jarhead fertilizer yeah brandon brown it used to be in full of hell he says they're dropping a new lp yeah same thing same thing with full of hell and just like i don't know dude any like any like fast core gd like just anything we're we're into like 
super specific. I I I really love um like Coke Bust and Sex Prisoner and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Coke is great. I mean, you guys even have some. You guys even have some great stuff. Um, you guys even have. You guys even have some great stuff from up there in that area, like whether it be Mind Eraser. Or oh yeah, like that's, like that's another one. Or Soul Swallower. Did you ever get to hear Soul Swallower? I yeah, think it was like that's, that's like all those members. Yeah, there's like bands like Breathing Fire, Scapegoat. But I imagine a lot of those bands shared members because you're usually going to typically find a place where you're finding all kinds of new people to play power violence. So I imagine a lot of those bands had a lot of inbreeding. Yeah, Painkiller Records like rocks. Yeah, such a good label. I, yeah, pain. Is this still is painkiller still a label? I'm not sure, dude. I couldn't tell you. I don't like. I haven't kept up on it or like checked. Because they put they put out a lot of stuff I liked back in the day. I still have my I saw my dry rock seven inches from them. I still got my I still got my Iron Age the way is narrow seven inch from them. I have a bunch of Mind Eraser and Scapegoat and Bleeding Fire shit. Yeah, I love, like, Scapegoat is in my, like, top power violence bands, like, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I like them because it's, it's just like a, it's like a modern, like a modern cross out, and I'm just, I'm into it. Yeah, um... I always like to ask this, and then I'll get on to another question. Um, how do how do you what do you usually write lyrics about, and um, what, how does art direction usually happen for kids going to record on an album or something? Who handles the art usually? Is that usually you guys doing stuff, or like the Photoshop, or do you usually a friend, or how does that work? Well, as far as like the songwriting goes. I um I write a lot about like personal life experiences. Sometimes they're super specific. Sometimes it's like a feeling I have in a moment or something that causes me to have a feeling about something. Sometimes it's like ways I view, you know, the outside world. It's pretty much like anything about like you know, anything a vocalist in a hardcore band would write about, there's no, like, <laughs> there's no, like, specific theme. It's mostly just, like, how am I feeling? Let's put this to the music, you know? Like, there's a lot, like, I've covered everything from, like, personal growth to bullshit things I see happen. Just And then as far as art, like, there's never really like a uh, concrete idea. Sometimes art, sometimes art can, for me personally, like it can inspire for a release or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, it's always kind of cool when you can say. Um, I think a lot of times people can leave like 
art and sometimes even lyrics and everything because like music is just as creative as any drawing or painting a lot of times. I think it's kind of like good with Zwig from Integrity because leave stuff up to mystery a little bit, you know? You know, you can write a song with having an idea in hand, but I've got, I think those things that even made me better lyric writers over time. It's like songs don't have to be so direct. Like, I feel like stuff that's direct is easy for people sometimes, but at the same time, it's kind of like, I like to write stuff where somebody's going to think about it's really going to fuck up their mind. They're like, what is this really about? Or I just like to tell them, oh, well, it can be whatever you want it to be about. You know what I I mean? It was just for me. They kind of wrote it in a way where you could interpret it how you wanted to for your own life. Yeah, I like I like when things are like open ended like that when like you can kind of like derive meaning from like something like even if it is about something specific. Yeah, exactly. It's um it's very good that way. And um I guess the final one of my final things I I'm going to ask, and we can talk about it, maybe a couple other things, just talk a little bit, but, um, you know, just you being a friend, and um, I like talking to different friends on this cast I made over time. I always ask the one because, you know, there's a podcast called Noise Extra, and it was probably the reason I started my podcast, and they covered, because I like a lot of noise, as you know, Danny, but I think hardcore punk, all these things, is just, music's just noise. Noise is music, you know, it takes you know, noise is, Music's just noise arranged. But yeah. Anyways, I'm I'm obsessed with A tracks more, noise extra, and just Marco Cabelli. You know, I asked this question of everybody. He was obsessed with like these these Gallo Gallo films, which is a, which the word means yellow, and they're like almost like you know these films. They're tough to explain. They're like these Italian B horror movies, like slasher flicks almost like detective oriented too and they're always kind of different but I think it's a fascination came with these things because like a lot of the directors who made these things did things on a very low budget low budget scale where it was even hard to get these things done so I didn't know and I think I can even relate that to punk rock and hardcore it's done on a low budgeted scale Sometimes their noise in general is just done low budget. Like you take what you have and you take what you get, and you and you can play where you can play and you put it out there. But was there? But you know, I think these films almost became like somewhat like a borderline obsession for them. I didn't know if there was anything you ever got obsessed about. And, and number two, with this question. A good movie that scares you. Anything good you like? It's kind of frightening out there in the world so trying to keep those so something i'm obsessed with huh yeah like anything you get an obsession over um if you don't want to answer that that's always that can be a weird thing too some people aren't open there's um whenever mostly whenever i'm like interested in something i get i can tend to get a little fixated on it and like sometimes be impulsive with it sometimes I felt I felt like 
I guess just like sometimes drive and shit, you know, like just like not letting things run its natural course, like just like trying to impulsively, like just trying too hard, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I have that same. Yeah, I have that same type of. I have the same type of drive. I know exactly what you're saying. Or, like a perfect example of like, like if I make a thing, talk about. I don't think yeah, I like talked this too much in the podcast, but for me, having autism, like high-functioning autistic, definitely music's my obsession. I get drawn into it heavily, but yeah, this, it's kind of crazy. But anyways, that's what you were saying. What were you saying there? Like, like an example is just like, if I make a sick piece of art or write a sick song or something or come up with a sick idea, I like rather than like letting it run its natural course, I'll like try and force it out of myself. And that's like, never, never good. You know, at least. Yeah, well, so, well, stuff doesn't, stuff usually doesn't come good. It doesn't come good when there's a natural right. Everything that's forced is usually just kind of ends up bad. Any ways, that's why like, you know, one of my friends was, Floating my ego the other day, I played with some of like some of the stuff from like a close friend, some of the stuff from our pastor noise split coming up, and he was like, "This is some of the most brutal noise I've ever heard." And he was just like, "The vocals here are just so fucking brutal and relentless." And I was like, "Yeah, you know." And I told my friend it wasn't for steps. I think the reason why, and I was like, "I think just always being able to see the world in some shitty view." Like, I mean, I can see the beautiful things like the birds, the trees, the flowers, uh, the bees, all those things. But I see so much, man, there's so much corrupt shit in this world. It's always filled me anger and giving me a lot of creativity and a lot of anger to create with. And I think if I didn't have that anger, I don't think my art would be anything either, to say, to be truthful. <laughs> and then, like, I don't think I can create something beautiful. I think I create ugly things, but I don't think I create things of beauty. As as far as as far as I don't like, know if I'm um, myself short there, but it's something I've realized. I think that's realizing who you are. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> In the end, I like beautiful things, but can I create them? No. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, was there a, um, so yeah, you get a little weird using four things. And the second part of that, any good scary, any good scary movie you want to mention or anything that's pretty intense out there? I'm trying to think, like, a movie that genuinely, uh, I watched this, I watched this movie, uh, Mysterious Skin. And it genuinely filled me with dread and uh, uneasiness, and it hurt me. <laughs> and what movie was this? It's called Mysterious Skin, and it's a movie starring uh, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's just, it's just like, it's just like a movie about child abuse that I'll never watch again. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've. 
I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever heard of it. Um, it like it, it like it, 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 it genuinely like rocked me to my core and like upset me so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny you said that cuz the first time the, the first time when I'm young and I the first time when I'm young and I'm doing when I'm like when I'm like young and I'm like I don't know how to explain it. I'm young and I see left ha- last house on the left. That movie fucked me up. I puked watching that movie. Like, Dude, yeah, it's kind they, of when like they, when they torture the girls out in the woods. I was just too young for it. It it was little, and this is a movie. This is a movie I saw like like uh like a couple months ago. <laughs> like, when you're an adult, you should be able to take take this and, and yeah, it was, like, it was yeah. fucking uh, brutal. Yeah, some so, some things so, I'm never ready for. So when's uh? Yeah, when's kidnap when's kidnap playing this is hardcore? I dude, I wish. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I want to interview you with that. I just like I always like no, it's cool if you guys ever do play it. I've had friends bands that have, but I always I always hate I, I always that always pissed me off when that dude Joe like made fun of those people dying in that rave out in California. I was like dude, is this guy just an insensitive fuck or something? Holy shit, man! I didn't know all that happened. I don't know anything about that. Yo, yeah, back in the day when there was that ray fire out in San Francisco, he, he like put he said something like to the extent of, "Who cares? There, who cares if a bunch of rave people died? Or they're probably on ecstasy anyways, or something." Damn, that's pretty. That's pretty harsh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hardcore hasn't always known to be the most chill thing, but I was just like, I don't want anything to do with people like this. There's people that are that insensitive. I don't know. You can be, you can be if you want. But I mean, that's, I mean, you know, I've always thought that fest is funny because there always be some bands on it I do like. But I, but I think I've always thought that fest should be called This Is Not Hardcore. I, I, I went, uh, like, I'm just like, to some of the shit's just so, <laughs> but I do like it how Joe even said, like, one time, I think it's Shattered Realm played one year, and he was like, this is my first time actually playing my fast. I watched a video of him playing, and he's like, hey, kids, keep making creative hardcore out there. He's like, this beatdown shit's outdated and overdone. Man, man, he even said that on stage. Just beat down, shit's outdated and overdone. He says because he was talking about how many good bands were coming out these days, like how much he like some of the shit he was seeing, how creative and inventive it is. And he's like, I want to keep seeing that. He's like, there doesn't need to be any more beat down bands, even though I love it. He's just like, he's like, think about it. We're outdated and overdone. That's what he said when Shattered Roll was playing on stage. I I uh I went one year and it was I had a good time. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean I bet it's the black. What year did you go? I would have loved to see that 
I think there was like a year like buried alive play. That would have been the year I was going to go. I think I think the one I went to was twenty seventeen, maybe twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I, I mean, one of my old band members played. I think one of the last ones is one of my old band members is in that band Spine, and they played. Dude, I love, I love Spine, great band. Yeah, shout out to Dylan for putting up with my ass being in the power violence sludge band with me for years. Well, we had a fast core band together too, but. Shout out to Dylan for being, if you as he listens to this podcast sometimes. So, always shout out to Dylan from Spine Man for this being my true homie. And shout out to everybody else in Spine too. Everybody has Spine fucking rules, but Dylan's with Dylan's with Smith. Um, I just don't know how else to explain it. Uh, but um. Yeah, so we got a, we covered a lot of things here with your band or stuff. I mean, oh, I always like to ask this. Um, where it shows you, or I always like to ask this question too. I forgot about this one. If somebody were to come to Connecticut and do something that they could do for free without having to pay money for something, what would it be? What's a cool thing? Well, even in your guys' town, like I know you guys are in the New Haven area. Or whatever, is there like a cool art museum or are there any botanical gardens, anything? Something people compete for free? Oh, you're saying like what's there to do for I, always I don't know. People, I always like talking about people on podcasts. I have a lot of friends that always tour and travel, and sometimes they end up in a city. They're always with no money in their pockets. There's something they can just go do for free, like a cool park or a cool museum. We got a. Uh, I have this park I used to live near called uh, Edgerton Park, and it is like a kind of botanical, like grove-ish thing, and it's it's a place I find a lot of uh, comfort and joy, and and that's a good I, I highly recommend going there. It's very peaceful. Yeah, and just me personally, I like find these things because a lot of times I found myself being on tour and showing up to a town too early and spending money I didn't need to spend. And I was like, I could have been chilling in a beautiful park somewhere, enjoying some nature, going to a museum that was free, or doing some of that nature. But, you know, you know, and instead of spending money on records or at a blog or doing something dumb, you know, it's a thousand things. But, yeah, and um, anyways, I guess we've been talking for a while, and I'm sure you probably have to work tomorrow, and I have some stuff I need to get done. With two, um, oh, I like to say this. Where can people check out Kidnap if they never have like checked you guys out before? Like someone will see this podcast who wants to go check it out. The usual social medias, like what Bandcamp? I say Bandcamp and Fate. You have Bandcamp and Instagram, don't you guys? Yeah, it's uh, uh, Instagram is. Let me let me check. Just to be sure, <laughs> just to not fuck anything up. Let's see. All right. Uh, Instagram, it's kidnapped CTPV. And then Bandcamp is kidnapped. Uh, what is it? I think it's kidnapped PV. Yep. It's kidnapped PV.bandcamp.com. And then it's on Spotify too. 
uh, Apple Music and all the streaming and stuff. So awesome. Anywhere you get it, we got there's grindy for vibes there. <laughs> I mean, the Pacer Duke was be just talking to me about the band with being my friend in this life too. For sure, yeah. yeah, just constantly working on different bands and different music and just, that's, that's just keeping, on, keeping, keeping on, keeping that's on, keeping on. Because Morsi wants, Morsi wants, had a, even though a lot of people don't like Morsi, he wants to have a thing that's true. It says idle hands do the devil's work. Meaning if you aren't keeping busy, if you aren't keeping busy doing something, you're going to be doing something bad. I just have to ask, how long were you waiting to end one of the podcast episodes with uh, a Morsi quote? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I don't no, know. It came natural. I could tell it was natural. I could tell. It was yeah, I think I, I think I, I think I used the. I think I was talking on another episode. I'm not too sure, and I. I think we're talking about capital. I think it's talking to somebody about capitalism and work and like how we all have to work, how we're all kind of like forced into this shit or whatever. And I was like, and I said to my friend, like, I, w- I went to go get a job and heaven knows I'm miserable now. So there was another quote, <laughs> quote, quote. So, you know. Mm. It can be a thousand, but yeah, more. But yeah, fuck. I don't know. I like. I like. I'm not gonna front. I like myself. I listen to the Smiths on a pretty good regular basis, but so does everybody and their mom. So who am I? Anybody different? Either. But anyways, thanks for um, doing the cast with me, and um, everybody check out Danny's bands. Everybody support. I I always tell people to support. Do it together. Do it yourself music right now. I can say do it together since there's a community. But if you can't have that, then just do it yourself and support music and art, especially in these crazy ass times. And I guess we'll sign off with this. Thank you, Danny, for doing this podcast. Hell yeah, hell yeah, Brad. Good night. I'm about to get to bed. Yeah, me too. I love you, brother. I love you, dude. Thanks for having me on. Sorry if I was a little tired throughout the whole thing. Well, I'm a little tired, too, so we're both in the same boat, but it was good talking. And I think we got to cover a bunch of different bases. Sick, yeah. Shout out, shout out uh, Kidnapped, uh, Wreckage, Canadian Hardcore, Ill Communication. Uh, shout out Suspended Souls and Tapes. Shout out, shout out the fucking core. Yep. Shout out everyone. Be safe. Be uh, happy. Be healthy. Take no shit. Watch out for each other. That's all we can say. All right. Well, good night, Danny. Hell yeah. Fuck twelve. Good night. Fuck twelve. <laughs> yeah. Fuck night, twelve. Bro. Fuck the government in general. Don't vote for Biden or Trump. They all suck. Don't trust any of yeah, these motherfuckers. Fuck. Fuck the politicians. Fuck. Um, I, I, hey, vote with a bullet, just like corrosion and conformity. Set. Healthcare says for all. <laughs> yeah, healthcare for 
the health care for all and abolishment of the pigs. I I totally agree with that. But yeah, fuck them. But anyways, um, good night, Danny. I love you, buddy. I love you, bro. Good night. I'm going to go eat some fucking Spanish rice and pork shoulder and then pass out. All right. All right, dog. Yo, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Good night. All right. Good night, my dude.